millimeter uh, projector that we had in our base. And and I just fell in love with the gun, and I ended up going to Africa beginning in 1964 many, many times. I met over my lifetime with many African leaders, including Jomo Kenyatta, the first president of Kenya, Julius Nyerere, the long-term president of Tanzania, Nelson Mandela, many, many, many other African leaders. And I had a fertile interest in the problems of how U.S. aid and foreign assistance can sometimes exacerbate problems, political problems, cultural problems, the problems of hunger and poverty, rather than alleviating them. And, um, you know, a sensitivity to the idea that we need to be willing to listen to, uh, to local leadership and that we need to nurture community-based solutions. You have certain things that one thought one knows. Uh, HIV equals AIDS equals death. One of the things that became clear and actually rather disturbing was the fact that there was a view that was being expressed by people whose scientific credentials you can't question. It seemed to me that there had been a determined effort to exclude their voice, to to silence it. So let me ask you about uh, HIV and AIDS. Why did it take so long for medical researchers to realize there was a connection. Well, when you say a connection, David, what do you mean a connection? Uh, HIV leads to AIDS. Oh, that was, well. But I thought for a while people didn't recognize that that was necessarily the case. We'll call denialists who are really off the radar screen, so we wouldn't even go there. He brought 24 scientists to Pretoria. I was there. 12 on one side of the issue, 12 on the other side of the issue. He wanted to hear all around the table what everybody thought and and make a decision. How am I going to handle HIV, AIDS, public health, uh, antiretroviral regimens and so forth in South Africa? By the way, that's a good strategy. Have people that, that agree with one side over here and the people that agree with the other side over here. You give them time to talk, you give them time to talk, you give them time to talk, they talk, they talk, everybody talks, talk, 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 talk. And then you independently come up with a solution. You don't suppress the left side and just go with the right or eliminate the right side and go with the left. You go back and forth and you come to the truth and then you proceed or you come to a conclusion, maybe you're wrong, and then you iterate and you take a different path and you iterate and take a different path, iterate, take a different path, but you debate. People who don't realize that debate is best for human civilization need to learn more about why discussions are healthy, even if uncomfortable. Very healthy. I listened and heard the whole story told about our own country. It seemed to me that we could not blame everything. The president of South Africa. It's remarkable that he's still alive, I'll just say. His health minister, she had plastic lemons and pieces of garlic hurled at her because she had said garlic, lemon, olive oil is good to drink every day if you want to strengthen your immune system. Pharma-funded activist group, they showed up and pelted her. The cruelty, the bullying, the culture of just 
absolutely viciously going against anybody who spoke about natural remedies or the immune system or, or the human body. When you go against big pharma, you have outrage. You hear the words denial. You hear the words like uh, crazies, or you hear the word like you just have to smear them. You have to call them a bad name. You can't challenge what they're saying because you know it's true. And so you must defame them. You must just put out a thousand pieces of article in the news and hope that the propaganda takes over the populace and that they believe that what they're reading is true. And it has worked for decades, probably much longer. But here's the unfortunate part. In the past two years, Big Pharma overstepped. They got too greedy. They overstepped. And I still will say this, and I believe this with every ounce of my being, that they overstepped and they have ruined their tyranny and their dictatorship and their biomedical industrial complex because people are waking up and people are realizing all this BS and it's finally going to end. It's finally going to end. I stand by that. We are watching the crumblings of an entire biopharmaceutical industrial complex because they overstepped. They got too greedy. So they got a hundred billion dollars, but they won't get a billion more because well, they'll probably get a few billion more, but it's not going to last decades and decades anymore. I believe it's over, and we need to spread this truth far and wide. Do not suppress the other side. Debate the other side. Challenge the other side. Talk to the other side. Do not censor the other side, because if you censor the other side, that means you're spewing propaganda, because propaganda requires censorship. Okay, I'll get back to it. Sorry. I had to say that. Studies in unborn fetuses in which the mother is given AZT to determine whether or not you can prevent the onset in that 30 to 40 percent of uh, newborn infants who become infected from an infected mother. Get the virus, never mind the person, never mind the, the, the life, and that's Fauciism. Fauciism is becoming deadism, okay? It's overism. Okay, the propaganda ism is done ism. Okay, I'll put isms on the back of isms. I don't care. It's over. It's done. The people are rising. We're coming together. We're understanding that we've been under a spell of an inverted truth for many years, which has blown my mind. And it's very hard to grasp, but it's true. And we've lived in a totally inverted life where like up is down, down is up, left is right. It's wild. But we, if we come to terms that we've been fooled and we say, okay. You got us. You got us. Well done, Fauci. Well done, everybody. You got us. You got us, Gates. You got us, Big Pharma. You did it. You did it. You did it. But it's over. We're not doing it anymore. And you cannot comply. Because if you comply, it never stops. If you put your foot in the sand, assuming you're standing, standing on sand, but put your foot in the ground or put your foot in the air, put your foot wherever you want to put it, put in Fauci's mouth, I don't care. Just put your foot somewhere and say no. And if everybody says no, then you will realize that the power is with the people. The power isn't with Big Pharma. The power isn't with Fauci. The power isn't with Gates. The power isn't with the president. The power is with the populace. The populace or the power is with the people worldwide. This isn't just the U.S. Worldwide. If we all say no, it ends the next day. It's done. It's over. You can't do anything. It's done. There's too many of us. We're too powerful. It's done. It's done. There's nothing to discuss. It's over. 
just grasp that. You say no. I say no. Next time someone tells you to put on a mask, say no. Do you have a mask? No. Do I have to wear it? Why do I have to wear it? Oh, you have to wear it? Oh, well, go get me one. Make them work for it. And then after 20 people walk in and do the same thing, and they'll just be like, ah, screw it. Just go in. Make the tyranny work for it, and it will not last. It cannot last. Because people are inherently lazy, which is how we got to this place. But then you reverse that laziness on the people uh, propagating the tyranny. And then, boom, they get bored, too, of of propagating it. And so they just give up. So when 50 people in a row say no, they're not going to chase down the 51st person. Those are hypothetical random numbers, but you understand what I'm saying. New York City's Administration for Children's Services had enrolled children in unnecessary and dangerous HIV and AIDS trials during a 20-year period. I'm sorry, I've cut this up too many times. I swear I'm going to get back to it. I promise there's about 30 minutes left or 20 minutes left. I don't care if you're tyrannical, if you're authoritarian, if you're trying to shove biomedical medications down our throat. I mean, I care, obviously. It's bad, obviously. I care about authoritarianism and totalitarianism, obviously. But no matter what, do it on adults, okay? Do it on adults. Leave your hands off of the kids. Leave your propaganda away from the kids, okay? Do you want your kids to be propagated? If you're a propaganda spewer, are you doing it to your own kids? Probably not because you know the truth behind all of this. Leave your hands and words and whatever off the kids. Kids don't know. By definition, they are kids. They cannot make informed consent. They don't know. They do not know. They rely on us. They rely on adults, to help them, to guide them until they're ready to flock from the nest. Stay away from the kids. And that's a big reason why I do the Jonathan Cogan shows because I can't stand them trying to spew the propaganda on kids. Leave the damn kids alone. Just leave, not the damn, leave the kids alone. Leave them alone. Leave them alone. If you can convince or propagandize, I should say, adults, fantastic. Hope you sleep well at night, but they're adults. They can make mistakes. God bless them. The kids, stay away. Stay away. And if more people don't start standing up for these kids, we got a serious problem. We really need to reflect in the mirror as a society and be like, what the hell is our, what are we doing? Like, what are we doing? Like, if you're not protecting the kids, if you're letting tyranny get to the kids, we really need to reflect as a civilization. And maybe we do need a great reset then. You know what? Maybe Klaus is right. Maybe Bill Gates, maybe the world I come out before is right. Maybe we do need a great reset because we are so messed up in the head that we can't stand up for the kids. Are you kidding me? Stand up for the kids. Speak out. If you were a kid, you would have bet your butt that you wanted someone to stand up for you. Stand up for the kids. Now we're getting back to it. What I see on the screen is NYC kids are our kids. So that's why I saw little kids' faces and I got emotional because I love kids. And even if you don't like kids, you they are our future. If you love the planet and the earth, the, the little the little children, little almost adults, the little peasant things are going to be the future of society. Protect them. Otherwise, you're not environmentalist. You're not for peace. You're not anti-tyranny. You're not for a good cause. If you don't protect kids, you're not good. You're not good. I'm sorry. That's what it is. It's black and white, right or left. Blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm saying. Starting in the late 80s. Anthony Fauci helped arrange for the drug companies to get access to the children in foster homes in seven states. There was a children's center in New York, in the Bronx, called Incarnation Center, where foster children or children who were considered to have AIDS through PCR tests that were inaccurate were put in this medical center and they were used for experimental drugs. Some of the children were infants. 
some of the children were not even HIV positive. Fauci, together with pharmaceutical companies, sponsored these experiments. I use the terminology that's used in the Nuremberg Code. These are experiments. They're not studies. These are invasive experiments. If the children wouldn't take the drugs by mouth, then they would put in a gastric tube. Some of the older children refused to take the drugs that were given to them because they were so horrible. So they surgically inserted a feeding tube in their tummies so that they couldn't resist. And many of these children died in a potter's grave of 80 children. And these were all children of color. My assignment was to go there. So I did. I went to Hawthorne. But don't forget, if you don't vote for Biden, you ain't black. That's what he said. Because they love you. They love everybody. They hate everybody. That's the truth. York, and I located this grave site. And what it looks like if you're standing before it, it was a semicircle of large tombstones with names engraved on the tombstones. I remember there were, there were stuffed animals and flowers and hearts and things adorning those, those tombstones. And I also remember there were flies buzzing around. There was a mound, a gigantic hole in the ground covered by astroturf. And it wasn't nailed down, it was just covered. And I went over and I took a corner of the astroturf. And I remember, you know, my, my heart was pounding. I lifted it up and inside was just a lot of coffins. They were, they were in there haphazardly. And apparently there was more, more than one child in each coffin. The drug companies which have supported trials at Incarnation include some of the world's largest. They also refuse to be interviewed for this program. Officials at the National Institutes for Health insist that any participation of children in drug trials should be voluntary in every sense. These little children are regarded as throwaway children. Nothing really was done to punish those who broke the law. 1965. Well, I visited the State Institution for the Mentally Retarded, and I think that particularly at Willowbrook that we have a situation that borders on uh, a snake pit. I remember very well when I was 11 years old, my father kicking down the of the Willowbrook State School, which he called a snake pit because they were doing experiments on children with intellectual disabilities. The children live in Bill, but uh, many of our fellow citizens are suffering tremendously. You had a lot of money at stake with pharmaceutical companies, so there was huge incentives, and there was career incentives for doctors who were doing these kind of experiments. Most people cannot imagine that there are people, especially medical doctors, which Dr. Fauci is, can disregard the humanity of people, including children. 
with the horrific abuse. And because it was government-sponsored together with pharmaceutical companies, they had kind of free reign. New York State and New York City provided the children. The Farrah Institute relied mostly on New York City Administration for Services documents, confirmed 80 deaths, and many other children suffered serious harm. The 1986 Act was, was created and signed into law by Reagan. It allegedly created a program for compensation of children who were injured by their vaccines or who died, and they would get some level of compensation. It was meant to make vaccines safer, and it gave virtually blanket liability protection to vaccine manufacturers and healthcare providers who are providing vaccines. The 1986 Injury Compensation Act was a real game changer because all of the drug companies that were making vaccines were deciding that they were going to not do vaccines anymore unless they got liability protection because they were getting sued at every turn. Now, the blanket liability protection created a boomtown. It created a gold rush. The sad reality is a whole new industry of recklessly developed vaccines that are highly profitable. And it did not lead to compensation to children who were injured. And it absolutely did not lead to safer vaccines. That's one of the tragedies that is across the board when it comes to public health. Because you see, when doctors join forces with government, they no longer comply with medicine's mission and sacred oath to first do no harm to the individual patient. They become agents of government and they do what they're told. A retrovirus is a primitive life form that has no capacity to replicate on its own, which is something that's true of all other viruses. The retrovirus injects its RNA into an existing cell where an enzyme called reverse transcriptase converts viral RNA into DNA, which is then inserted or spliced into the host cell's DNA. In the late 1980s, when I was at the Salk Institute as a graduate student, when I was in my 20s, I was working on trying to understand how RNA gets packaged into retroviruses because retroviruses were the leading way for gene therapy to be developed and potentially applied. That idea was, well, if you can use RNA as a drug, what would you use it for? So my belief was using RNA as a drug to produce a vaccine response by expressing a foreign protein. And so I worked on that and ended up uh, finding a way to get RNA into cells. Once that set of technologies came together, I filed invention disclosures and eventually patents on the use of RNA as a drug. So when I joined the pharmaceutical industry in uh... 1988, there were in Britain something like 15 separate drug companies. There's a very small, a small number of very large companies, but they don't, they don't tend to discover many of their drugs in-house. They, they use experts internally to try and identify biotechs that are doing good stuff, and then they, they grab them for money, and then they complete the development process. Once the 
mRNA technology had been developed, I left uh, the salt and went to this company called Vical. Vical was actually founded in part to develop antivirals for the AIDS virus under a Burroughs Welcome contract. The patents were sold to Merck. Together with Vical, they spent over a billion dollars that could never make it work because they believed that it was functionally impossible to manufacture RNA at large scale. But what they did do during that period is keep anybody else from working on it because the patents had issued, uh, which is why there's this 10-year gap, essentially, more, really 20 years, uh, between the discoveries in the late 80s and then the real initiation of research into RNA vaccines starting in the early 2000s. AIDS vaccines is not about a solution. It's about permanent industry. It's like waiting for Godot. Godot doesn't ever have to come. The industry that they've created through the promise that they will somehow have produced this miracle to us is a now one of the giant medical industries of the medical cartel. And it's irrelevant if they ever produce a vaccine. Nobody ever questions them. Congress has stopped even asking the question. They just appropriate the money to Tony Fauci year after year after year to keep this infrastructure of virologists, immunologists, of principal investigators, and all of the medical cartel is all in on it. 2000, the year 2000. Ah, oh, Bill Gates. The Department of Justice asked the federal trial court in Seattle to find Gates a record million dollars a day for antitrust violations. Judge Thomas Penfield Jackson ruled that Microsoft had violated the 1890 Sherman Antitrust Act prohibitions outlawing monopolies and cartels. If you go back and look at uh, Bill Gates' business his, his history as the first execu a top executive and, and founder of Microsoft, um, it's quite clear that he was very interested in, in acting as a monopoly. We've all seen the footage of him testifying as he's rocking back and forth in a chair with his arms crossed in a kind of a rather odd behavior. The Justice Department has charged Microsoft with engaging in anti-competitive and exclusionary practices designed to maintain its monopoly in personal computer operating systems. The Microsoft Explorer decision caused Microsoft to divest from what was clearly a monopolistic practice with its browser technology to exclude other competitors. He was really the most reviled businessman in the United States. And then suddenly, he became a philanthropist. What he's done is taken his toolkit that he's developed in the pressure cooker of competition in the IT sector and turned those same practices 
towards public health and functionally has monopolized public health through his philanthropic giving that isn't really philanthropy. It's more of a screen behind which he has made other strategic investments that have produced a massive financial return. You invested $10 billion in vaccinations over the last two decades, and you figured out the return on investment for that. It kind of stunned me. There's been over a 20 to 1 return. Modern billionaires that are also uh, referred to as philanthropists that are uh, increasingly controversial have a lot in common with John D. Rockefeller's reputation. Uh, going back to Rockefeller, 1910, this is interesting. Prior to the beginning of his rebranding as a philanthropist, John D. Rockefeller was very much hated uh, by the American working class um, for a variety of reasons. Uh, a large part of it being how he treated workers, but also his business style and the interest in, in his family and particularly himself in consolidating power. In 1910, John D. Rockefeller really kind of took over medicine, particularly the medical schools. And they redirected medicine to be totally focused on pharmaceutical interventions and also various surgical procedures. In other words, to make it a real business. The Rockefellers are involved in everything. The World Health Organization, both Rockefeller and Gates, he really points to his father, who's Bill Gates II, as sort of being a guiding reason as to why he's interested in directing a lot of the money of his philanthropy. And Bill Gates II was the head of Planned Parenthood during a time when it was rather different than it is today. When I was growing up, my parents were always involved in various volunteer things. My dad was uh, head of Planned Parenthood, and it was very controversial that uh, same society also was with some of these Rockefeller eugenics focused uh, philanthropies at the time. The very, very wealthy form foundations to eliminate their tax requirement. Foundations don't have to pay taxes. So they simply move their business under the flag of foundation, and then they're exempt from tax, and they gain huge control because they're distributing money to all sorts of non-government agencies. But they get to decide exactly who to give money to, what kind of policies to support, and guess what? In the meantime, they're shoveling in money for themselves. The president of the Rockefeller Foundation, Dr. Rajiv Shah, joined the Gates Foundation in 2001, and in Africa, he directed the International Finance Facility for Immunization. Using sleight of hand, the IFFI enriches Gates Pharma partners with Western financial bonds by passing the cost to future generations in poor countries. Starting with AIDS and going through SARS and MERS and Zika and bird flu, they have one thing in common with Fauci at the center. 
We had SARS in 2002, MERS 2003, bird flu in 2005, H1N1 2009. This is the same playbook, different virus. If you look at Anthony Fauci's tenure at NIAID, specifically after the 2001 anthrax attacks, he was responsible for the massive funding of numerous biosafety labs throughout the United States, several of which have engaged in gain of function experiments uh, during that period of time. 24 hours after he received both the seasonal and swine flu vaccines, he was hospitalized. If you really look at the scientific data, it is unclear why that happened. Clearly, the risk of the complication of the disease is greater than the risk of the vaccine. It ended up being very, very fraudulent studies. Uh, I got a hold of that transcript. And I published excerpts from it in Rolling Stone and Salon simultaneously. And immediately there was a storm of controversy pressuring Rolling Stone and Salon to take down the article. You get deplatformed if you tell the truth or if you say anything that challenges government orthodoxy. They made a show of looking through a series of briefcases and files to try to find what they were looking for. And they said, we'll send them to you. And, of course, they never sent them. And at the end of that meeting, Tony Fauci came up to me and took me aside. And he said, I want to commend you for what you're doing. Um, it's important work, and you keep us all on our toes. Oh, thank you. You can be the judge of how earnest he was. Because he was considering the commission to look into uh, ill effects of vaccines. And, and somebody, his name is Robert Kennedy, Junior was advising him that vaccines were causing bad things. And I said, no, that's a dead end. That would be a bad thing. Don't do that. Soon after this announcement occurred, those gentlemen killed the Vaccine Safety Commission. There's no doubt in anyone's mind there will be a surprise outbreak. It was laying the groundwork for what they needed to do with the fear-based messages to put everybody on high alert, to actually have everybody start talking about this pandemic. Here you have the government regulatory agency collaborating with a pharmaceutical company to keep secret the results of clinical trials on a drug that is now mandated to virtually everybody in America, for which the company has no liability, so matter, no matter how grievously you're injured, no matter how reckless or negligent their conduct, you can't sue them. My wife, Jill, heard about this website that listed adverse events by batch. So uh, she looked up the How Bad Is My Batch website and dialed in the batch numbers that I had received, and it turned out that my second dose was a batch that was known to have a very high number of adverse events and deaths based on the VAERS system. I speak about this being the largest experiment ever done on human beings. At a very fundamental level, we have no understanding of what we've done, and yet we have taken this synthetic molecule that's not really RNA and administered it to global populations. So that... That is part one. There are two parts. I did not know. I did not know. I did not know. But there are two parts. So one last thing to say about that. You see on Twitter and other social media, you got Pfizer gate trending all the time that, you know, they never tested for immunization. They never said that. 
nope, nope. No one, no one ever said to you, Oh, do it for the community. Do it. So you don't hurt grandma. That never happened. You're an idiot. You're, you're totally, you're dumb. So, uh, it's, it's trending and it's getting a lot of attention. It's obviously not breaking through in the mainstream, which isn't the mainstream anymore because they are the lying stream. Uh, but, uh, some news I got that's interesting and I'll, I'll end on this is it's not going to come out till after Thursday. And I wasn't going to do this. Uh, I was going to do this on a different podcast episode, but I guess I'll just do it right now, which is you're not, it's going to break right after it gets approved for the, um, Hold on. It's going to, it's going to, the Pfizer gate will, uh, will break once the ACIP committee will add the COVID vaccines to the childhood vaccination program on Thursday. So this will allow vaccine makers, and I'll actually pull this up real quick since we're on it. And what, and it's not going to be a coincidence. They're waiting till they get, they can shield themselves with immunity and then it'll come out all the controversy. So, so the Thursday agenda for the ACIP. Oops. I didn't know we got, uh, it went out again. Sorry. 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 So last thing I'm, I'm doing, I don't know where it got cut off. So I'll just do it again. But again, you're not going to hear Pfizer gate come out until the ACIP committee convenes this Thursday and they will likely add the, the vaccine. <laughs> I can't say that word. Otherwise you get banned from everything. The COVID vaccine to the childhood vaccination program on Thursday. Uh, and, and what I was saying was it's a big prize uh, here. It's too ambiguous to figure out, so we should assume the worst of what they're going to do at this meeting. They aren't supposed to put an EUA vaccine on the immunization schedule, but since when has that stopped them? This is from Steve Kirsch's Substack, by the way. This is a big prize for a vaccine manufacturer. If you get if you get to put the CDC, if you get to put a vaccine on the CDC childhood vaccine schedule, it means two main things. One, liability protection forever for not just the vaccine for kids, but for the adult vaccine as well. So they're going to shield themselves from immunity with this. And then you're going to hear all the, the, the pointing blame game comes the government, it's Pfizer, it's this and that, but then it'll finally come out and it'll be probably talk about in the propaganda networks. Number two, all States require vaccination in order to attend public school schools. Many tie their list to the CDC list or a subset thereof. So getting on the list is a key step to being mandated in many of these States and that's why they've targeted the kids with a vaccine that they don't need. And then he goes on to talk about, do you know a child who died from COVID, blah, blah, blah. And obviously, no, it's all strategic to get immunity, to get shield yourself from liability, and then let the corruption come out and let people talk about it because you then don't have legal action. So they're going to suppress it till after this Thursday, most likely. Not, not, we're not totally sure, but this makes a lot of sense, obviously. And on this podcast, on the Jonathan Cogan show, we've been right about everything. So you can go look back at the historical record, obviously, because that's why we do the podcast every day and because we want the record to be out there of who's telling the truth. So when you need to learn the truth in the future, you know who you can trust. So that was part one of the Anthony Fauci, the real Anthony Fauci, the movie part two. Don't know when it's releasing, but. We'll be playing it on this podcast. Again, subscribe to the John the Coco Show. Go to patreon.com forward slash ownership economy. Make a donation if you appreciate the work. Would be awesome to see even just one more person get on there. That'd be amazing. Got a couple people. It'd be awesome to see just one person who appreciates the work. One person make a donation. Patreon.com forward slash ownership economy. Share the pod. We're censored, highly censored. This will be one of the most censored episodes, obviously, uh, but it's truthful. 
And that's why we do this. We do this to tell the people the truth. We are for the people, by the people, with the people, the people, the people, the people. I've said that before. Yeah, there's a lot to handle. So I'm just going to stop on that. There's a lot to handle. So I will stop on that. This is a lot going on. A lot of corruption, a lot of chaos, all by design. And it just coincides, by the way. I, I, I know I said this on the previous episode, but I have to say this again. It's so strange how it, so strange, how it coincides perfectly when all this is leaking out and then immunity for life comes on Thursday that boop, we're on the brink of a nuclear war. Wow. Oh my God. One of the worst crimes against humanity ever. Nuclear war. What do you know? It's just, it's just, it's just a normal day. And I actually came up with a theory for this. So take your politics out. We're apolitical. If you, I think I realize what's going on. I didn't start following politics till Biden being president. And so it's very obvious if you start in 2020, that everything that's going on is a very totalitarian. It's authoritarian measures. It's very obvious. Like, like, okay, we got to go with another party here. But if you've been watching since 2016, which I wasn't even aware of this whole Russia, all this stuff, and I want to get too off topic, but what I think has happened is that they, this hatred for this guy, Donald Trump was so massive and I'm apolitical was so massive that the intelligence community or foreign adversaries. And I tweet about this at Kogs, K-O-G-Z. Uh, where I think that they've leveraged this hatred over specifically from 2016, or even if you've been listening to politics prior, that this extreme one-sided, like anything but Trump, undermine democracy for Trump, blah, 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 right? That, because it's like, why are people going along with these clearly totalitarian, like there's two parties running, neither are good, but one is clearly totalitarian in bed with big farm. Like it's really bad for society. It's clear our rights are being taken away, but yet the polls are close. It's weird. And I'm like, oh, they got so, they the psyop from the intelligence community or foreign adversaries who got control of our media and big pharma stuff, China. Um, they're leveraging that Trump period to go so extreme the other way that if it's anything but Trump, they can pull off anything they want because in the name of stopping Trump, we if you need to put mRNA in your eyeball to prevent Trump from being president, people will load up those eyeballs. That is what I think has happened. I think the PSYOP has taken this under, I think it's intentional. So that's all I'll end. I didn't mean to touch on that. My bad. So, and again, I'm apolitical. So uh, subscribe to the John the Kogan Show. Share the John the Kogan Show. That's part one of the real Anthony Fauci, the movie. I hope you enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. And uh, thanks for, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Really, really appreciate it. And subscribe to the Rumble channel. All right. Thank you.